0: This podcast is sponsored by XGrowth. XGrowth is the APAC ABM agency. If you and your organization are looking to land and expand enterprise mid-market deals, XGrowth is the agency to help. XGrowth works with a wide range of international and global technology vendors, service providers, and B2B SaaS companies. If this sounds like something you're interested to know more about, make sure to check out XGrowth at xgrowth.com.au. That's xgrowth.com.au and chat with the APAC ABM agency.
1: What's up, marketers, and welcome to another episode of the Growth Colony Podcast. I'm Liza from X Growth to tell you that each episode we bring in B2B leaders to chat about how you can achieve those everyday wins in the marketing world. Whether you're new to the B2B game, working at a leadership level, or even just showing some interest, we know you'll love the episode. So grab a drink, get comfy, and enjoy the show.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm Shaheen Hoda with X Growth, and today I'm talking to John Amory, Head of Marketing at Australian Finance Group, AFG, about how to build a data-driven customer communications and onboarding strategy. We're going to be focusing on onboarding quite a lot. This is a quite an interesting topic, especially bringing data into onboarding. So I'm super excited. John, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Let's talk about, I think it's important to give a little bit of context to audience. I usually don't ask this question, but I think it's important to give a little bit of context to audience in terms of what does AFG do, because that's going to tie into some of the future questions. But if you could kind of give us the the 30 second version of like where AFG sits and what do you do and, and kind of who you target, that would be awesome.
3: Yeah, sure we are an asx 300 business so traditionally we are what you call a residential mortgage broker aggregator and then we've diversified into um, mortgage lending so under our afg home loans brand and then also commercial and asset finance so so basically what we do we transact about one in 10 mortgages in australia and we, we sit as the service and platform provider for about three and a half thousand mortgage broker businesses, everywhere from those single operators, sort of single brokers, all the way through to medium, large and very large mortgage broking businesses. And basically, we offer, we offer a suite of services to them. Things like the lender panel, all their platform and technology for them to transact from sort of customer to lender, marketing as a service, compliance, commission payments, professional development, sort of everything you need as a mortgage broker outside of your brand and your, your, your day-to-day.
2: Got it. And I think it's important to kind of give that context to, to the audience where we're going to really talk about the B2B side of it is, are those brokers... And uh, and the onboarding of those brokers, I think the onboarding component is quite a important topic to explore, especially from a B two B perspective. But like, how do you bring users on board so that they have a great experience and it increases retention? I mean, with the with what's going on with the with the financial space, with the VC space, a lot of people are talking about retention now, They're talking about revenue rather than growth. So onboarding is a big component of it. You don't do a good onboarding job, you. Lose client, churn goes higher. Chances of losing them is going to be a lot higher. So, tell me a little bit about that in terms of. I know you have this this data driven comms model at uh, at AFG. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Shed some light in terms of what what does a quote unquote data driven comms model? What does that mean in in AFG uh, AFG world?
3: Yeah, um, it's pretty cool. Look, we we we've got a pretty diverse range of segments that we target or that we communicate with so we've got the b2b side which is which is directly with afg brokers then we've got the b 2 b to c which is our brokers customers you know a couple of million customers that we manage their marketing as a service so their communications as a service platform as a service um, website as a service and then we've also got b2c customers so our direct home loan customers so you know a number of different teams dealing with a number of different comms approaches the, the great thing about afg and the the this sort of data led model is something we've we've branded as red alerts so what what it is is the, the great thing about afg and our b2b to c part of the business is because we've got such a massive database and so many brokers that we communicate to their customers on their behalf. So branded as them, goes out as them, looks like it comes from them, and it's an aggregated service. We have a lot of data that sits behind that to really understand of those brokers' customers, what are they doing next? When are they leaving? When are they churning out of the business? What were some of those other data points that have that have, that have been flagged just before they've left a broker. So what we've done, we've, we, we worked with the analytics team to build this machine learning algorithm to really understand what were those key drivers or those key data points across, you know, a couple of hundred data points. What were those key data points that we've seen over the lifetime of three and a half thousand brokers to understand of their customers that left, what were those data points that we may be able to use to try and understand for current brokers' customers, which which of those flag up an event that we might be able to help with the communication. So effectively, we've built this algorithm. It's churned through a whole bunch of data. And now what it does is, is it flags for our brokers across the entire group, a range of their customers that are most likely to do something next and then it's linked to our the, our comms automation so our marketing automation to put contextually relevant kind of content in an email so rather than us saying hey of all your customers let's send a bunch of emails over the next month to them what this does it says of all the customers that you're going to talk to in the next you know in the next 2 weeks these 25 customers fit a profile and have fit a data profile of similar customers across a couple of million customers who have done something now and these are the customers you need to contact and do you want us to send an email on your behalf and that email then grabs contextually relevant information relevant to their situation so it might be it flags that customer as a new home buyer that is moving into their second home, or it flags a customer that looks like they might be an investment customer um, looking to buy an investment home, or moving to self-managed super, or you know, a whole bunch of different reasons. And it's it's really changed the kind of landscape of how we help those brokers communicate to their customers. The the difference in in retention for brokers is is very different to them just sending bulk customer emails out. And what it's done is it's really made us realize that that model of, of analytics and understanding much better when to send emails is, is something we need to start doing across other parts of the business. And, and you know, into that onboarding journey of how do we do that next best action and that right, right communication,
2: right time, right place, right customer. Got it. So very clear that that being data lit is a big component at at AFG. Let's talk about the onboarding process. How is this approach being used, especially for onboarding new brokers on AFG? How, how how is that how is this incorporated in the onboarding process? Yeah, so
3: look, we we sort of see onboarding, I guess that traditional onboarding is, you know, p- particularly when you've got a product Is how do you get customers up and running in the first couple of weeks and you know sort of through those through those basic product product usage milestones? For us, it's it's a little bit different. I guess when we talk about onboarding, it starts it starts from not only the day one, but because we're we're an aggregator and we're responsible for helping those brokers to to you know achieve their their, not only their growth in their, in their model and in their business, but also their professional development points. We really look at that onboarding kind of communications and upskilling of brokers as a, as a bit more of a, a lifetime experience. So, you know, the, the, the easy stuff is getting a broker onboarded, getting them signed up, getting them ready to go, getting them using the platform what what we then do is um, we've built an LMS, so we use um, an SAP product to build a learn. We build a learning management system that kind of crosses every part of the business, and it sits, you know, it sits a single sign-on as part of that broker broker ecosystem that they can log into easily. We've built it so it tracks and records their CPD points, so their professional development points. We've also API'd that into the, the mortgage broker professional development um, organization. So, you know, they're automatically registered for their professional development points. And what we what we sort of look at, you know, that, that platform that we've built, we had something like 65,000 completions last year, 1,200 courses. We ran 74 webinars as part of that. We ran 110 national events that we've put on that platform. So what what we have is this huge amount of information sitting in a platform available to brokers across just about every every kind of pillar of information that they're going to need to to do well in their business and in their career and in their personal development and in their professional development but what what we're at now is you know is looking at how instead of just serving up a huge amount of available content that they can click into and use and access at any one time how do we start customizing this information to the to the right to the right broker in their life cycle so if you think about a broker you might have a broker who's 2 years into their into being a broker into being a mortgage broker versus a broker who's you know 25 years a mortgage broker they need very different types of onboarding, very different types of upskilling, very different types of support all the way through that that life cycle. But what we know in the background is what are the things that make a successful broker? So what are the things that that successful broker that's been there for 15 years, what are the things they consumed and used and learned along the way in that journey? And how do we take that information and kind of go, if, if you're this kind of broker and you're at this stage in your life cycle, here's the three or four things that you most need to, to focus on. And then how do we serve up that that information so they can, you know, so they can basically, we've got customised customized kind of curated content. Instead of going, you can choose from all this stuff that you think is the right, right time to learn – these are the things that other brokers have done to be successful at this point. These are the things we recommend that you uh, that you focus on now.
2: I love that. So you're 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 sig- not only you're you probably segmenting your your marketing side, but you're segmenting your onboarding process as well. So if you're if you're a smaller company or you know you this, you fit this kind of ideal customer profile, this is what the, your onboarding pr- process is going to look like. And if you fit another, another process, it's, it's going to be different. That's, that's really fascinating. It does sound like a little bit of work, but uh, I'm, I'm sure it, it pays off. And, and John, in terms of tactics to put that content in front of people, so it sounds like there's a certification program and you're leveraging events and webinars to, to, to guide, maybe n- not right now, previously, everyone kind of go through that and you guide them through the program. You're like, hey, these are, the, these are the self-paced certifications and courses you can go through. We've got these webinars that are coming in as well. And, uh, and those are the tactics that you're currently using for onboarding. Is that right?
3: That, that's correct, yeah. So we've got that more traditional kind of what you would call onboarding, you know, that, that first couple of week experience where it is, there's a tick list of things that brokers need to have done and be ready to go in order to, to hit day one. And then it's also working with external providers. So, you know, we we're we are the the conduit for the lender panel as well. So, for mortgage brokers, you know, that 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 lender panel of 50 different lenders, mortgage brokers have to be accredited with all those different lenders as well. So, the decision is is as a mortgage broker, who do I accredit with first? Which of those lenders that I get on board? How do I how do I sort of sequentially get accredited with more and more lenders to be able to offer my customers more choice in that in that mortgage-broking process. So one of the other things we're sort of doing now is trying to work with the lenders to take that in-house. Um, one of the big lenders has just, just moved over to that. So we are doing their onboarding for that lender and then sending the results through to the lender rather than them having to go to multiple different organisations to get accreditations, and working really, you know, hand in glove with the lender to be able to go. Okay, what are your requirements for them to be um, for them to be accredited with you? And can we put that sitting in our LMS or in as part of our onboarding to so make it easier for brokers? So it's that kind of one stop shop.
2: Very interesting. I mean, I, I I I love that the the level of work that is going into that. And again, I'm I'm still trying to get my head around the segmentation because I think that's very fascinating. A lot of people do that with their customers. Uh, So they're marketing, but when it comes to onboarding, that might fall a little bit flat because the interpretation is like, hey, they're a customer now. Uh, You know, we don't need to put as much effort. And even though there's there's some effort, it's not as much. But especially in the SaaS space where 80% of the revenue is materialized after the sales, Mm. um, that's going to become more and more important. What is your advice in terms of if somebody is starting to build their uh, kind of Onboarding process. Where to start? Because obviously you have this very complicated system, and and it's, I would imagine it's been developed over many many iterations. What is your advice? I'm a marketer. I'm looking to start. What are your thoughts? Try if look. If you are really starting out,
3: I really like the um the kind of triple play of the triple content play, and we use that a little bit as part of this as well. You know, we use we use those long form ebook. Hub and spoke approach for for acquisition, right? R- write the definitive guide to something about mortgage broking in different areas. Bring in a whole bunch of those testimonials and different different kind of customer stories as part of that, and really make it this nice. Here's how to do this really well, and here's a bunch of advice from people in the industry who are doing it well cut that up into those different snippets and use that as part of acquisition but then we jump in and then grab those ebooks and and build them into this nice sort of sequential nurture process as well so once a prospect comes in as part of that download, they go into this long lead nurture where we're serving up those other eBooks to them, you know, as part of that. So we've used that a second time. If they've missed one of those eBooks or they've come in on an eBook, we'll, we'll drop that eBook into the second sequence. But then we'll also use that eBook and a whole bunch of content from that eBook as part of that learning and and that sort of L&D side of the business. So you know, often you, you you create these fantastic pieces of content that you use for acquisition, and you forget that your existing customers are probably wanting to use it as well. Or you're making a piece of content that is very focused on acquisition that you could expand out a little bit and make it a little bit more relevant to either the platform or the product or whatever you're using. You know, so make that first ebook acquisition-led, and make that second one saying. Here's, here's how to do this well, and here's how to use our product to then do this and add that in. And then as a piece of content, you get this nice kind of triple use of of an ebook, which aren't cheap, right? Like creating a creating a high value, well written ebook is is expensive, relatively. It is expensive. Takes time. It is expensive.
2: Yes, it's uh, we 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 did that for our agency recently. And uh, we did we did this ebook on the state of ABM in APAC. Man, it took six months <laughs> and a lot of hours, a lot of hours. Yeah. You know, a lot of interviews, a lot of people that were involved. And somebody did tell me that, hey, just be careful when you do research-based solid content. It's probably gonna take ten times longer. And I'm like, nah, surely it's gonna be fine. <laughs> um, and then we'll dive in and it's like, oh yeah, I can totally see. So, that's very interesting so that you, you repurpose that and you put it in there and, and use it again in the onboarding process. Some of the stuff that you might have used for ac- acquisition if they haven't seen it. John, what about some of the mistakes? Like what are some of the mistakes you've made and the team has made building the onboarding process?
3: Look, no, no massive mistakes per se. I think you know, COVID was a pretty crazy time, and but actually we got we got a lot out of COVID. We you know we changed a lot of the way we do things, really transitioned to that online webinar, and trying not to. I think what we changed probably in the past from now is is a lot of those smaller learning opportunities of of trying to sort of overcook the not the quality of them, but how long we took to plan and get them right. Versus just serving up really helpful content that's a bit, little bit less polished. You know, having, having webinars which were 30 minutes, 40 minutes, bringing in people who were subject matter experts, not trying to polish it, not trying to over promote the thing and just getting content out there being happy with, you know, three, 400 people on a, on a webinar and then repurposing that webinar content back into an archive so it can be used as sort of evergreen content. I think now we're finding, you know, as I spoke about before, once you get a lot of content, it's that content management. How do you, how do you manage such a big amount of content and keeping it relevant, keeping, you know, you find you have to go back over content now as it starts. It's not all evergreen that's probably the challenge that we're sort of coming up with now of what do we keep? What do we refresh? What do we, what do we use again? And again, how do we, now we've got 1200 pieces of content sitting in our LMS, how do we serve that content up so it's relevant and it doesn't just look like a giant pile of stuff that no one really knows where
2: to start. Yeah. That, the refresh thing is, is, um, cause it becomes overwhelming at one point, right? Just like mm. so much. And so, it, it and, and sounds like the next project where if you've started and, and already doing it, but it sounds like the next piece is to how to not overwhelm <laughs> the onboarding process. Exactly. Is, that, is that correct to say?
3: That's exactly right. Right? How do we get that curated journeys and and just keep it nice and simple for brokers? So, it's it's giving them the right information at the right time. It's giving them those sort of subject matter areas that they need to understand the most and not bamboozling with more and more and more and look some people it's hard because it's not people learn at different different times and different speeds and need different things in their businesses so it's it's not a challenge it's it's you know it's quite a fun thing to be
2: looking at over the next over the next six and 12 months got it got it I, I I love that concept of uh, of not overwhelming them. What about the tech stack that you're using for onboarding? Is this proprietary to to the company? Are there some external tools that you're using that you found really helpful that you think you can share?
3: Yeah, sure. I mean, no. For our for our LMS, we do we do the onboarding part as webinar. So we'll we'll sort of bring a bunch of people into that that first you know that first induction. Kind of onboarding. I have a few different people that will speak live and some some recorded video as part of that. But we use uh, the SAP Litmos product as our LMS, and we use that LMS as that combination of pretty much a sort of content hub that that broke that we can use at every stage. So you can break it down into into you know first onboarding. You can build courses into it. You can have people sign off and make sure that they've done those courses and get their badges for doing it so you kind of gamify it along the way. And then we actually work with some of our bigger groups so they can start using that as their main LMS within the business because this is the other thing we, you know, you've got branded business that also has has their own proprietary content that they want to that they want to share with their brokers. You know, you might have a brokerage with 20 brokers and 20 other staff in there. So what we've started doing is giving them access to white label R uh, learning management system, and then add their own content in there on top of that as well, which is a nice little value add. For it takes a little bit, a little bit of extra work, and it's probably not available to to all the brokers, but some of those bigger broker groups, it's uh, it's a nice value add to
2: them. Yeah, absolutely. Disc- disclaimer for some of the, uh, some of the smaller <laughs> tier, uh, <laughs> it's like, where is my Element system after the <laughs> podcast comes out? Yeah, no, I-, I love that. I love that, John. I want to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions, but before jumping into that, is there anything else that maybe I haven't asked that you think it's important for us to touch on with regards to onboarding, the, you know, systemizing onboarding process, building it out, uh, mistakes, anything that comes to mind that maybe we didn't touch on?
3: The, look, I think, again, it's the same as any marketing, right? But because you've got this nice, you've got a customer who's, who's gone through the process, like like with anything, you know, you gotta take the time to go out there and talk to those, talk to your customers after that onboarding process at, at different stages and at different times after and really try and work out if it's actually what they needed and what worked and what didn't work. We've we've got really nice, a really nice group of people, you know, that that are those kind of core brokers that we'll work with on this stuff. We've got surveys that sit on the back of that. We've got one-to-one interviews um, that we sort of do sporadically, you know, over the year, just to make sure that it's that it's hitting the mark. You know, that that'd be my advice. Don't just put this thing in and assume that it's going to work. Don't just tr- automate the whole thing. Try and put some human element into it if possible. Really. You know a lot of people out there probably using that sort of wiki or something similar as part of their onboarding process depending on you know what kind of what kind of service or product offering you are but yeah look i think we've we've refined that using feedback from our customers rather than using feedback from staff
2: interesting yeah and talking to customers nothing replaces that and and i feel like i always say we don't do enough of that as marketers yeah great
0: have you read the state of ABM and APAC report yet? If you have, you'll know that 59% of marketing leaders are intending to increase their ABM investment in the coming year. Even bigger users 0% of survey respondents are going to decrease their investment. It's an exciting time for ABM in the region. Discover the state of account-based marketing in APAC today. Download the full report at abm.xgrowth.com.au forward slash report. That's abm.xgrowth.com.au forward slash report.
2: Rapid fire questions. All right, shoot. First question, one resource, book, podcast, ebook, talk, whatever it is, that has had a profound impact on you personally or professionally. And I got to say, oh, you're always welcome to mention more than one.
3: Oh, nice. I was going to say it's picking one's hard i think ooh, i think probably the book thinking fast and slow by by daniel kahneman is is you know probably the book that i think about most and has changed how i make decisions in my personal life and um, and in my work life quite a lot i mean it's it's pretty heavy reading but it is you know as the father of behavioral economics i think any marketer now once you get past the learning marketing bit really becoming great at understanding behavioral economics is what makes you a really kind of next level marketer and and really like those kind of co- how to how to second guess some of those cognitive biases you have and how you make decisions and how you take risk and how you uh, you know how you how you evaluate risk in your work and personal life. Yeah, it's a, it's an amazing book. And I think the other one probably is, it's a bit cliche, but um, How Brands Grow by Byron Sharp and all the work around the sort of Ehrenberg bath. I mean, if, if you're a marketer and you haven't read that book, then you'd need, you, you know, that's probably the first book I always tell people in my team that they need to read. Why I love that book is it, ha- it gave... It gave the research and the legitimacy to what a lot of marketers have known about how we invest in brand and the effect on brand for, you know, acquisition and retention and life sort of lifestyle, lifetime marketing. But it was the first time that it's really just in black and white. It's very clear when you read that book on on how you need to split your your investment in brand versus you know, direct response sort of style marketing. So I love that book. Um they're the two
2: probably for me. Thank you very much. a's a those are solid recommendations. <laughs> Number two, if you could give one advice to B2B marketers, what would it be?
3: Oh, it sounds a bit cliche, but the get rid of the ego and work as a single cohesive team with sales. I think AFG, the sales team at AFG and the marketing team at AFG, we are so close on, on our goals and what we want to achieve. And everything is this kind of shared approach, shared wins. I think a lot of businesses I worked in, I thought we had good sales and marketing alignment until I came to AFG. And just with a sales team who we just, we just have a single cohesive approach to what we want to do together. And, and, you know, we have these kind of shared wins at the end and it's high fives all around and it's not, marketing trying to kind of prove that they got the lead in and sales proving that you know if it wasn't for them they wouldn't have closed it we all know our roles we work together where we've kind of got you know two different parts of uh of a of a sort of, of a funnel so yeah no that sales and marketing alignment get tight with sales if you're a if you're a marketing leader you know you should be you should be very tight with the uh with the with the leadership of the sales team and your team should be tight it
2: should be tight with the sales team as well. Yeah, get tight with sales. I like that. It's catchy. It's better than sales alignment, I tell you that much. Get tight with sales. Question number three. Question number three is, who are some of the influencers that you follow? I won't say the ones I
3: hate because I, I, that's probably, that's probably oh, going to stay that's completely in perpetuity. appropriate. No, no, he'll probably kind of try and, <laughs> try and do something mean to me.
2: We will totally but- <laughs> make that a snippet and just put it all <laughs> over the uh, yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, no, I don't want his wrath. So I, lo- I really love the growth hacking guys. You know, Andrew Chen, Brian Balfour. I think those guys take a very different approach to marketing. I love, I absolutely love Scott Galloway and he's got a no mercy, no matter stuff. And the yeah, dog. Yeah, like he's a, he's a bit marketing-y. I mean, he's a bit more about the market and M&A and, you know, but the guy's just He's such a smart dude. I, I just love listening to him. And he's, and again, because he's a kind of professor, you can trust what he's saying. It's not just fluffy marketing kind of crap. And him and Mark Ritson, I love Mark Ritson. Yeah, the Y Combinator stuff's good. I don't know if anyone listens to that Y Combinator. They, they have some. Yeah, like again. Marketing orientated, but a little bit more around that startup. Obviously, they're a, you know, they're a, they're a seed funding organisation, but they have some pretty amazing organisations come through and talk about how they did it and what they're doing. And, you know, you find with these smaller startup orgs, that they're they're running on a thin budget and a tiny team, and they've managed to do this amazing stuff. They um they have some pretty cool advice. So yeah, Malcolm Gladwell, love Malcolm Gladwell. It's probably not marketing, but the guy's a champ. Um, revisionist history and that kind of that his podcasts and you know his books outliers and those kind of things so yeah they're probably the guys
2: that i i listen to the most i love it those are great solid solid recommendations last question john last question is i know you, you you operate both in the b2b and the b2c side but uh i want to ask what is something that excites you about b2b today
3: I, look, I, I'm excited that marketing is well and truly has a seat at the table in B2B marketing now. And I think, again, I know we've sort of talked about it. I know it sounds a little bit cliche, but just that move to to that sort of data and analytical decision making. A lot of businesses now having analytics teams that you can work with rather than it just being trying to, you know, get a marketing role that's also a bit of an analytics role, looking at marketing analytics, having, you know, having some proper statisticians and, and mathematicians in an analytics team that can help you work out some some pretty serious stuff, that's exciting to me now. That's that's kind of the move now to really that real true analytical led data decision making and building that into our into automation rather than it just being trying to make a you know decision on whether it's a blue button or a red button. You know, doing uh, doing it to make some, some to make some bigger decisions.
2: I love it, John. This has been an awesome conversation, uh, and I think onboarding is a super important topic. One that probably doesn't give as much attention as it should. So I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing all this insight. Thank you so much for your time.
3: That was great. Thanks for the invite. Appreciate it.
1: Today's episode of Growth Colony was produced by Alexander Hipwell and Liza Maywald. It was edited by Dave Semiro with additional editing by Liza Maywalk and music arrangement by Alexander and Liza. Special thanks to Tina Wabe. We couldn't make this show without you. Growth Colony is hosted by Shaheen Hoda, director of growth at XGrowth. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Do you think you'd be a great guest or just interested in a chat? Send through an email at podcast at xgrowth.com dot au that's podcast at xgrowth.com.au. dot au that's all for now we'll catch you next week right here on growth colony